Welcome to the Built for Trades podcast. This is your host, Dan Dowdy. And today I have some amazing guests. I have Justin and Kristen Deese all the way from Navarre, Florida. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Justin, you know, and Kristen, we go pretty far back, you know, so I'm really excited to have you on the show. Y'all are home service business owners. You have written a book about, you know, doing business with your spouse and doing it successfully. And uh, you are sitting on a boat podcasting with me. So you are the most adventurous people I know. So we have a lot to talk about today. <laughs> Thank you. And and the name of the boat is Partnership. So <laughs> Partnership. I love it. I love it. Well, before we get started, I just want to talk directly to the audience. Uh, this This podcast is all about helping you grow your business through leadership development And as we get started today, I just want to remind you, if you like what you hear, subscribe and share this with a friend, because I know there's other people out there that could benefit from what it is that Justin and Kristen are going to share today during this podcast. So let's go ahead and dive right in. I I would love to just start from the beginning and tell us a little bit about how y'all started in the trades. Well, so like a lot of married couples that are in business together, I was the technician and I just got to the point where I needed help. And um, by default, I got roped in. (laughs) She got suckered in. So that has never happened before. I know. I know. The trades. I cannot believe it. I know. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is um, the very typical scenario of how a lot of married business partners come to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I had an actual real job for a little while and. Um, and then his, and nobody wants a real job anyway. So, I mean, I kind of liked it. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. Um, but it just, he got to a point where the business was strong enough that it could support us both being in it and he needed the help anyway. So it was just kind of the natural decision to, to move into the business, but that's been probably 20 years ago. Almost. Almost. Wow. Wow. And I'm, I'm guessing from the very beginning, it was just real smooth. Totally smooth sailing the entire time. Just like the Gulf of Mexico (laughs) during a hurricane. It was just smooth yeah it's it's crazy because there were so many years because you know we there was so much so much that we didn't know and you don't know what you don't know and if you don't know it you don't know what questions to ask uh and we didn't even know what help looked like like we didn't have a tribe or a community of people to even begin to ask we were so in the weeds uh just trying to dig out of a sand hole Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people that can relate to that. Starting off your business, like the first leap of faith is just starting your business. And I, I, I like to refer to that as phase one, where you're growing your business to the capacity of what you know how to do. And uh, that's normally pretty chaotic. Uh, you know, when I think back, like reading through your book, so the book is called uh, When Your Business Partner Is Your Spouse. If you haven't picked this up, you need to pick it up. It is awesome. People can get it on Amazon, correct? They can. Mm -hmm. Amazon and Audible. Awesome. In this book, y'all talk about a story early on before, you know, you really started to um, hit that success point in your your home service business. Kind of take us back there a little bit because the audience listening can really relate to this. They're probably doing business with their spouse. And uh, just tell, take us back to some of those points and some of the, like, maybe maybe the biggest pain point that y'all had early on when you started your started your first business? I mean, cash management was always a really tough one at the very beginning because 
Justin was really good at generating sales, but we weren't all that good at managing our expenses. So Mm -hmm. the knee-jerk reaction was to just generate more sales, but (laughs) our expenses went up at a higher rate than the sales did. So we had this company and we're generating a couple million dollars a year in sales. And we're like, how do we not have any money? This is not making any sense, but we're working and working and working way more than we ever worked when we worked for somebody else. And that was, that was a tough um, time because it was just like, there was a while where we were robbing Peter to pay Paul just to get payroll to go through um, until we kind of figured out that, well, I mean, the number one rule in business is to make more than you spend. <laughs> it took us a little while to figure that one out. <laughs> well, and, it, and it's and it's such a roller coaster um, when when you're in that pattern of business because you're selling it. And that's, you know, from the outside looking in, when you're selling, you're like, oh, look at this number. It's growing, it's growing, it's growing. And then then you go to look at the numbers and you're like, where's the rest of the money in the bank? Like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. It's Right. It's already spoken for, right. so to speak. So right. um, that is that is a big roller coaster. I think that a lot of people, uh, especially early on in their business career, have a hard time with. Because a lot of times, even with employees, when you talk these big numbers, sometimes it it's they don't get it, and they're like, "Well, that's ten times what I make in a year," and like, "Yeah, but that's not very much money." Yeah. Um, but yeah, keeping a track of it. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's one phrase I say I'll I say often is sales hides all sins. And I think when you a lot of people try to sell outsell their sins or outsell their problems, right? Mm-hmm. Outsell. I, I'm referring to really more referring to just inefficiencies in your business mm-hmm. more than anything. Um, so, it, what are some steps for people listening that are in this cash crunch in their business and they're trying to get over this hump? What are some steps they can take away to apply to their business? I mean, scrutinize every single penny and evaluate what is getting, what money is getting spent where and whether or not it's 100% necessary. Um, We're really good justifiers, all of us as human nature, and it's really easy to go through and justify the expenses, but you have to get real honest and be like, okay, now, is it really necessary that we have this expense or that expense till we get through the cash crunch and can manage our um, our, uh, profit loss a little bit better? What is happening? I moved, I moved my hand. It was following me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah. That camera is moving around a little bit, but it's all good. So scrutinizing the expenses, looking through and and seeing what it is that you are justifying and and making sure it's worth actually justifying it. Cause you're right. We can have an excuse to, uh, to spend money on anything, right? If we, if we, if we're not disciplined enough to do it. So the first step for people listening is really just, I mean, I guess first you need to have a a profit and loss statement to look at, right? Uh, Yeah. I mean, tracking, well, step one is separate your personal funds from your business funds. Step one at the very beginning, Um, don't be running business funds through your personal account and vice versa. Um, And then once they're separated, you definitely should be looking at your profit and loss statement um, monthly. And there's even certain expenses that you can look at more frequently, Mm -hmm. especially the ones that you can control, which are going to be your labor and materials. You can control that on a daily basis. And you should be watching that at a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So 
We're going to dive back in a little more later on about financials and Chris and what it is you do with your virtual CFO program. It's going to be exciting to talk about that. But before we do, I want to talk more about about just y'all's hobbies, your family, um, just kind of get, the, let's let the audience get to know you a little bit, the business that you're owning right now and running. Um, just kind of take us through your family and some personal hobbies and things that y'all enjoy doing. And uh, and then we'll talk more about Paradise Home Services. Yeah. So uh, we've been married now 17 years. We, yeah. Yes, totally. <laughs> Um, we have two kids. We live in Navarre, Florida, which is a uh, small beach community in the panhandle of Florida. Absolutely beautiful place. Uh, wonderful place to visit and vacation. We uh, two kids. We've got one that is 15 right now, one that is 17. Uh, Addie that is 15. She does cheerleading. She does weightlifting now, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty cool. So she's hoping to go to college and cheer. Mm-hmm. Uh, which she's the one they throw up really high in the air. The flyer. <laughs> I'm, I don't know that everybody knows what the flyer is. Uh, being a cheer dad, I do, but, and it's heart wrenching every time they throw up in the air, I'm like oh, catcher. <laughs> uh, and then Zach, Zach is a senior this year. He is, he plays lacrosse and he actually is in the delayed entry program for the Marines. So oh, wow. two days after he graduates, he's gone, he's gone. He's taken off <laughs> yep. uh, to go see the world. So, uh, some of our hobbies, anything on the water mm-hmm. we love to do, whether it's on the boat, paddleboarding, fishing, snorkeling, snorkeling. Now we've picked up golf again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went probably five years without playing golf and uh, oh, our business fun. partners in one of our businesses, they love golf. And we thought, all right, it's been a minute. So we started picking that hobby up again and, and it's going to be okay. We can do that until my wife's better than me. That's not going to probably going to be like long. six months. <laughs> <laughs> that might be like six months. We're going to have to pick up a new hobby. So maybe frisbee uh, golf or something. That's funny. Yeah, actually, my wife and I play golf too, and uh, it's not going to be too long before she's better than me. I yeah. think so. She she's picking. I can't drive it as far, but I think um, I'm working on accuracy. So he has a better long game, and I have a better short game. Yeah. basically what it's coming down to. And the short games when you win at golf anyway. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So just continue on kind of taking us through. So what was like the first business y'all started up together? What were y'all doing? Like, well, what I'm, I'm trying to think back what that was. I mean, the very, very first business was fish tank cleaning. Oh yeah. I was cleaning fish, fish tank tanks. Cleaning. That yeah. was a good gig. Yeah. That was <laughs> the first business card I ever designed. Aquacare. Yep. That was a, that was a big <laughs> business. Uh, we made tens of dollars. Yes. And it was, it was great. Uh, and then, uh, after that, we ended up falling into um, into the home service space, sort of by accident. We, um, I worked for a company kind of selling outdoor kitchens, and I realized that nobody was installing these very expensive grills. I thought, hey, I could do that. So we started doing that. That led to doing a little bit of gas work, which then ended up leading into doing appliances, uh, appliance installation. And all that happened in a, about a 90 day period of time. And then now 20 years later, we still own that company. Um, anyway, so that was all kind of by happen chance of that. You know, when you're, when you're new in the entrepreneurial space, especially for me, I didn't say no to anything. I clean a grill. I'm your guy. Fix it. I fix can it. totally do it. I can totally Install fix it. Install a dishwasher. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 
So he comes, he's, he was standing in one of the big box retailers and somebody asked him if he could install a dishwasher. And he was like, yeah, for sure. Of course I can. Absolutely. And they're like, cool, you should be a vendor for us. And he was like, okay, great. Sign me up. And then he literally comes home, rips our dishwasher out of the kitchen and tries to figure out how to reinstall it. Cause he has no idea how to install a dishwasher. <laughs> Eight hours later, that puppy was partially level. <laughs> oh my God. So 20 years later, I think we've installed Tens of thousands yeah. of dishwashers. Yeah. Um, but yes, it all, There's thousands it all started with the one at the house. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And she said, now, what do they pay you to do that? And I, I don't remember what it was. And I told you said, um, I think you would make more money doing something else. Yeah. It equated to like $2 an hour, which, or something. which was interesting because that business really taught us eventually uh, systems and processes because we didn't really control what we got to charge the customer. The retailer charged it. So efficiency had to become our number one friend. Mm -hmm. And once we figured that out, because my first thing I figured out was not, a, I'm not a very good technician. <laughs> I can go sell it all day long, but I'm probably not the guy that needs the screwdriver. I'm just, that's just not my unique ability. So yeah, um, yeah. that was the very first one. And, um, oh, and even the first, and then we microwave, I remember putting in the first microwave and we actually stuck a screw through the back of. Uh, people are going to listen to this and go, why would you? <laughs> anyway, so it just, it, the first 30 days of that business was just such a mess. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, eventually I found people that were better than me at the things that I wasn't good at. So that's, that's really powerful to think about. I mean, just knowing that it's not your unique ability, it takes a certain amount of um, humbleness, I guess you would say to own up to that and then find somebody else who is, so you can work in what you're gifted at. So that's a pretty, pretty powerful thing. Once you realize that and people listening, starting up a business, um, maybe doing everything, wearing a lot of hats and trying to figure out what is their unique ability deep down. You, I'm pretty sure everybody knows, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's just owning up to it. Mm -hmm. So so once you, so you, you, you got into the appliance business, what was the next business that y'all started up after that? Well, that one grew exponentially and I got to the point where it, it didn't need us on a day-to-day -day basis, which was fantastic because uh, we were in Atlanta. And once we got to that point, we said, where do we want to go? We want to go to Florida. So we moved back to um, Florida. We opened a satellite office here and, um, this market is not as big. So when we were here, I thought, I, I don't want to do that here. And yeah. then as I did research, I said, oh, you know what? Plumbing is definitely a pretty close vertical to what we're doing and I can control the price. So now I can go out and sell and I get to sell it at my own price. And that's kind of how even getting into the plumbing side of the business happened was we went out and just started, started offering plumbing services. And never looked back, huh? That was a big lesson on average ticket between the oh, two different yeah. businesses because the appliances, it's a high volume, low margin, right. low average ticket. And then making that jump over to plumbing, it, it reversed. So right. it was a higher average ticket, but we were also doing less jobs in a day. And people like the guys weren't having to like push so hard. Um, they could go, they could do the job. Maybe they might have two or three more. And then that was it. They weren't doing 15 dishwashers a day. I, um, th those guys, even today, they do anywhere between six and eight a day. Mm -hmm. It's wow. crazy. Yeah. But they've also, I mean, we've got, I mean, 
the, the team we have there, I mean, a lot of those guys have been around 10, 10 years, 15 yeah. years, which is pretty good. And they love what they do and they're very good. So for them, it's automatic. They just do one thing all day, every day. And it's great. So y'all are saying that when you started up your business, it wasn't just instant success. No, it was not. I know it's shocking. <laughs> After like seven years, it was instant. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, yeah, that, that's the funny thing is a lot of people, you know, would look at y'all on social media or just know you and like, wow, they instantly were successful uh, entrepreneurs starting up their business. And now what you're doing with Par- Paradise Home Services is awesome. Y'all just won that award as a, yeah. a best company there in Pensacola, which is pretty incredible. Congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, but yeah, it doesn't come without a ton of hard work and sacrifice. So I, that's my next question for you is, is thinking back to when, when you got into um, starting your own business to where you're at today, y'all mind sharing like what, what was maybe one of your biggest mistakes that you made that you wish if you can go back, you wouldn't make that mistake again. I So for, for me, we went in that, in that business, we went from maybe eight of these stores to close to 150 in eight markets inside of about three years. And we had no idea. Uh, no systems. Uh, and it was, and it was one day we had a customer service issue in Greenville, South Carolina, and I was driving to the customer service issue. And I remember pulling over my truck about halfway there and I said, what am I doing? It's crazy. And, um, I turned around and got back home and said, we're closing five of these markets, not doing it. That and I was going to have a heart attack at 28. Mm -hmm. Um, which that the, the lesson is we grew too fast without having any kind of systems and processes in place. And, and that just is so much stress, not only to us, but to everyone on the team, like everyone feels that. And that's, it's not, it's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling. <laughs> yeah. The whole family feels that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know that's got to resonate with a lot of people listening. It's you, you're in that right phase one of your business where you're growing and you're taking on everything because you feel like, you know, more money, the better it is, or the more opportunity, the better it is. So, uh, Kristen, kind of uh, from, from your perspective there, uh, Justin's talking about systems. Um, at what point in the business I, did y'all, I, I guess first, Justin shared when y'all realized that we were doing, that, that y'all were doing too much, but what was like the first system that you implemented to really get over that and and take y'all to the next level? Once you realize, okay, we needed to shut down a few stores, narrow our focus. Um, I'm pretty sure you have it written in your book, but what was what was kind of the first place that people should start looking that that y'all looked to help you go to that next level in your business? This is a good question because we see the world through such different <laughs> lenses. Uh, I don't even know your answer, but I'm, I am actually curious to hear what your answer is because I know what my answer is. <laughs> Uh, the first system. Um, so I think that um, we had to get really good on the little easy things before we could move to the bigger things. And when we were in the middle of multiple locations in multiple cities, and it was almost like, a, I guess you could consider it a hub and spoke type style. Mm-hmm. Um, we hadn't tightened up on the little things yet before we were taking giant steps forward in the big things. And I think that ultimately is what got us um, with that. And so the everyday 
systems, the, the, from the very beginning of the job to the very end of the job and all of the little steps in between, that was probably a big part of it. We were missing some gaps on our efficiencies in the actual job itself and the paperwork and some things like that. So, so really it's, it's the, you have to get good at the little steps before you can take the big steps forward um, in growth of business. And I think a lot of people kind of overlook that with that sales hides all sins, right? Like the knee jerk reaction, if it's not going well, is to just add more sales. And a lot of times that will compound the problems that you have underneath um, instead of fixing them. That's good. Good wisdom there. Jess, I'm going to ask you the same question because I know that your answer was not that. No, it was not. (laughs) So I remember um, we got my cell phone bill one month and you looked at it and you said, do you realize you were on the phone? And I don't remember what the number was, but you'd even done the math on what percentage of the day it was based on 24 hours, not eight. And it was like 35% of my life was spent on my phone. And out of that, more than 50% were not customers. They were technicians. Oh, wow. And I'm thinking I'm basically an operator. So for me, I started systems based on frustrations. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired of answering this question. I would write it in a notebook and then I would write a system for it. And then what was cool is then I would see the effects of it. My phone stopped ringing about that one question. I go, ooh, I'm going to do another question. And then that's kind of how it evolved into, you know, what, what are these guys calling me and asking me? Because a lot of times they're calling me for validation. Not a, not a, not a system or process thing. It was more about validation. And, um, and this is back before text messages. So it was, you know, your next L beep beep or, you know, somebody calling you on the phone. And, uh, so that, that was mine was just, it was based on frustration of how do I get these people to stop calling me? I think it was 16,000 minutes. <laughs> I wanted to say that too. Yeah, it was oh something crazy. That yeah. also has never this never really happened for everybody listening out there. Exactly. <laughs> they're probably actually on the phone listening to the podcast. <laughs> or now uh, they're texting. Yeah. yeah, they're texting while they're listening to the podcast because, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, when it comes to being validated, you know, it, it could also be referred to as a lack of confidence. But really, mm-hmm. it's people become dependent on us mm-hmm. by what we allow. Absolutely. So, you know, yeah. So well, yeah, we definitely, um, we allowed and almost instigated the dependency though, too, because we weren't giving them the space to make the decision themselves. Right. And so it, it was easier for them to just come to us mm-hmm. and get the answer than it was to maybe try to problem solve themselves. And then if it's wrong, they called you and asked you about it. Right. Right. <laughs> Right. But I called you and asked you about it. Mm-hmm. Like you gave me 5% of what the actual job was. But <laughs> Yeah. And, and the best way to overcome that is like you said, writing down the system, um, making sure that you're training them on it. And, but also it's how you, res- how you respond to the questions. Uh, right. You can do that in a coaching manner. Right. Them to give the answers, building confidence in them. And uh, over time that those calls start to dwindle because they know that you're just going to ask the question back to them. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Got to let them stumble sometimes. And it is okay. And I think a lot of business owners really struggle with that. Like at times you got to ask them the question. So how would you handle it? Even if you obviously safety needs to be number one concern, but if they're going to do something, that's not the right way. Give them enough space. Or even if they're um, 
even if they're getting from point A to point B in a different route, but they're still getting to the same point B that you would get to, it's okay if they do it a different way. Again, you have to look at safety and efficiencies right. also. So if it's horribly inefficient the way they want to go, okay, well, maybe that needs to be redirected. But in general, it's okay if you know if it's six one way, half dozen the other, but, but you still get into the same they're point. They're never going to okay. do it the same way you you would do it. Mm-hmm. That's just a fact of uh, that's just a fact of it. It's there's always going to be a, a couple of degrees of shift between how you would do it, and that's phone calls, installing a job, dealing with a customer issue. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a few different opinions on, um, you know, a lot of people are are big on doing call by call management with their technicians and stuff, and I, I know it works, but I may not go down that rabbit hole right now because that, that's a whole other conversation. But uh, yeah, I, I I am a proponent of developing leaders and leaders must think and make decisions for themselves. Right. So if you're always answering questions for people and they're becoming dependent on you, you're just creating a whole lot of followers who are dependent on you. And that's a big reason why you're frustrated and you have so many thousands of hours of talk time every, every <laughs> month because you're, or minutes, I mean, because you're, uh, you know, you're allowing it to happen. So let's dive into the book here for a minute. Um, cause Christian or Kristen, I want to talk more about your virtual CFO, but before we do, I want to talk about chapter four. It's, it's setting and sticking to clearly defined roles. Uh, the quote that, that, uh, it's actually Justin's quote here, just like on the road, if you don't stay in your lane, accidents are more likely to occur. And then Kristen, you have a quote here as well. You do you and only you. So let's talk more about this chapter, because I think this is going to be a good lead into talking about the virtual CFO, which will help business owners listening to this podcast today. Um, So, Justin, let's start with yours. Just like on the road, if you don't stay in your lane, accidents are more likely to occur. Uh, Take me through that quote and that mindset. And then what are some, let's just say one or two things that that you do that help you uh, to set and stick to clearly, clearly defined roles and what you're doing today. Yeah. So the, so all that happened when we finally started to kind of get in our boundaries, right? Like, okay, you're good at this. I'm good at this, but then there's still a business as a whole. You still have to know it and understand it. Mm-hmm. Let's try that again. Everybody listening, he's making some adjustment, adjustments to his his fancy camera, which is following his his hand movement. I know. <laughs> there you and go. I can't not move my hands. What do I do with my hands? <laughs> All right. Um, All right. So let's get back to it. Yeah. So so setting and sticking to clearly defined roles. Um, take the audience through what what are some key things that that you're doing to making sure that you know, even in the role you're at right now in your business, which is probably the visionary role, if I was to guess. Yes. Um, you know, how are you doing that? Because to me, when I think about any business, I think about the visionary in the business. It's usually the one that goes around and does the most damage unknown to everybody around that person. Right. Because they're visionaries. They're kind of living in the clouds. They're chasing shiny objects. They're doing all these different things. They're wanting to help, but a lot of times don't really know where to help and stuff like that. So I'm going to stop rambling and I'll let you (laughs) answer your question now. Um, so, so once we figured out kind of what our lanes were, the tough part is like, for instance, accounting, 
it's not my area of expertise. It's not. I know. Um, <laughs> but as a business owner, I still have to understand what's going on. So we were having, you know, we were still having tough conversations about, well, what about this? And what about that? And questioning. And so one of the things what you came up with was, how about I give you a snapshot once a week? So he had the online banking information and every day he would come <laughs> grill me about what was being spent. And I'm like, dude, you're the one spending the money. Don't come grill me about the expenses when you're the one spending who the is money. This, who is this FICA food guy? And so then I finally was like, you know what? Just get out of my banking. And I created just a, a quick little spreadsheet that showed him every day. Uh, it was actually, I think I did it once a week. Once a week. Mm-hmm. Every week I would send him a quick little spreadsheet that would just say, okay, this is the current balance in all of our banking accounts. And this is the current balance of our credit card. If you have any questions, let me know. Otherwise, stay out of my online banking. <laughs> and that was nice because it gave him enough information to feel like he what at least was kind of aware. So I wouldn't sideswipe him with a huge cash issue that he didn't yeah. see coming. But it also wasn't him having to worry about every single little transaction that was going on in the bank account because I had that. It was I had it. I knew it was going on. He just needed to know basically the high points. And that was a nice way to be able to give him enough information that he felt comfortable, but not give him so much information that he was getting all up in my lane. (laughs) (laughs) See, I got out of my lane and an accident (laughs) happened. Which, and and I'm, you know, we were very fortunate because the person handling my money was your money. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's tough too, is when you have someone that is not your significant other managing your money trust but verify is the first thing i always Absolutely. always think of is it's easy if you don't know what, like if you're looking at your PL and you're looking at these reports if you don't know what they mean it's easy to go well that looks okay it doesn't look okay unfortunately um i've worked with a lot of business owners who were taken advantage of by people in the accounting department and there were many cases where their accounting their accounting person would make an attempt to explain mm-hmm. a question mm-hmm. and it wasn't always the honest answer and um, it was covering up things that um, they were intentionally trying to cover up. And um, for us, we didn't really have to worry about that as much because it was our money combined and I cared about it just as much as, as he did. Um, but it's a vulnerable place to be as a business owner to have to trust somebody that is not your spouse with your money. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times what will happen is business owners will abdicate instead of delegate that yeah. responsibility. So they'll say, oh, I've hired somebody. They're doing it all. It's good. It's I'm good. Everything's good. And really, they end up completely turning their back on their, their money and their financials until there's a crisis. And then when there's a crisis, they're like, what happened? I didn't know this was coming. Why didn't, why didn't I know that this was about to happen? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. I think and just that story that you shared being transparent in your financials, uh, you know, we're talking between a husband and a wife, but this could be between a uh, an owner and a general manager or a general manager and a service manager. Uh, there's different levels of transparency that we need to share with people in order for them to lead their departments and be able to make decisions. So, Justin, you wanted to know just enough to make the right decisions for your business, but right. not too much to where it becomes just too much information, you know, just too much to look at overwhelming to a certain extent. And it goes back to staying in your role and your clearly defined role. And also in your gifting, 
as well, because just like Kristen, maybe amazing at the numbers and looking at all the fine details and paying close attention to all the small things, Justin, you're a big, you're a big picture, big picture guy that's keeping the, the company moving forward. There is a definite need for both roles mm-hmm. in a business. So Kristen, take us more or take the audience through, um, through that, like more about that report. So let's just think about the people listening. Um, if they're a, a husband, wife team, partners in the business, um, can you kind of take us through a simple snapshot of some of the information that they could provide for their husband, the visionary, or their wife, the visionary, who maybe should have their hands out of it and only one person in it operating the bank accounts? And then from there, let's talk a little more about your virtual CFO program. So um, your the KPIs and the cash balances are a good starting point to be able to give to the visionary in the business, regardless of the relationship, enough information that they can make decisions about the business, but that, like you said, they're not completely overwhelmed with spreadsheets. Um, Typically, visionaries don't appreciate spreadsheets like we do. (laughs) So we want to try to keep it um, simple, but um, effective. And um, what what those people who are running the business need to see and look at on a regular basis is those direct expenses, the things that are tied directly to jobs that can be controlled from a job-to-job basis. So your labor and your materials and maybe subcontractors and things like that. And and then the, the bigger picture that that can be shared, but looked at less frequently, less frequently would be um, a lot of the general administrative expenses that are going to come every month, regardless of what, what kind of sales we have. Mm, That's good. Um, Some more cost of goods sold. For sure. I mean, those, and same with like any of your service managers, install managers, general managers, they need to be focused on those direct expenses, those cost of goods sold. Um, They don't need to be worried about how much the liability insurance costs or how much rent is. They need to worry about the the expenses they can control. Um, So overtime and how much are we spending on materials and are we crisscrossing the city 15 times and wasting gas and time and all that kind of thing. So what they need to be looking at. Okay. So what gets measured gets managed, right? Yep. Pretty common statement we hear in the trades. And so starting to look at these right numbers, Justin was allowed to, or he he had the, he had the power really to be able to make decisions based off where we're at in our field labor material subcontractors, which gives you the freedom to do that. Obviously improves the business, keeps it <laughs> forward. I want to take a step back here. And go back to what you said earlier, Kristen, about, I think you used the word abdicating, which you may have to define that for me, but versus delegating. uh, And then you said, you know, uh, the business owner goes out, hires a bookkeeper, gives them the responsibility. Okay, they're a professional. So that's all being taken care of. Now I'm going to close my eyes to that and run my business, right? That hit home because I I, I see that a lot in businesses. Mm -hmm. So for people listening out there, they probably have done this or are doing this. And um, what can you do to help them with that, to be more, to, to come in there and, and and look through what they have going on and give them some consultation or um, what do you offer for people out there that are in this right now, doing what you just said not to do? <laughs> uh, so I, I do virtual CFO services for businesses in the trade and Basically, what that means is 
um, I provide that accounting oversight that your CPA isn't necessarily going to do. So your CPA is responsible for your taxes and making sure that you're making good decisions from a high level investment standpoint. But the CFO uh, looks at the numbers and looks at the financial statements in a, through a different lens. It's more of a operational or, or managerial accounting as opposed to taxes. And so this a, a good CFO should be looking at what are what are the trends, what are the budgets, what are the um, what are the things that are going in, on in the business from the operation standpoint that is affecting the numbers and how could it be better. Um, that step gets skipped a lot in in businesses in our industry, and it's usually because business owners um, don't have the strength in numbers; they have the strength in the sales and the leadership. Mm. Um, the other tricky part is that a lot of times business owners, um, don't know because they don't know how to do those things. They don't know how to train somebody else to do it. Um, so that becomes a sticky point too, because even if they hired somebody to do those tasks, they wouldn't necessarily know how to train them how to do it. So I kind of saw a need there and developed a few different layers of the virtual CFO. And one of them trains their accounting person how to do all of the things that they should be doing. It builds out their job description. It trains them how to do everything on it. Um, and then um, I'm able to provide the oversight to ensure the business owner that they're not, um, that everything is above board. And then we also, I also do financial reviews with business owners where we go through all the financial statements and we look at, you know, what's, was the month a win or a loss and how did it compare to other months and um, what are things that went really well and what are opportunities for improvement and kind of really dig, dig deep into those numbers and how they affect the business with the business owner. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I really love that you are uh, equip not only you know consulting with people and and reviewing financials but you're also helping them equip other people in their business so you're growing leaders and and they're allowing and and through that they're growing their business which is pretty awesome and uh and uh, you know the equivalent to this in my mind is like you're getting in an airplane and flying the airplane and you have zero gauges and you don't know your altitude you don't know where you're at you don't know the wind speed, all the different things that it takes to fly an airplane. And if that's you and you're running your business, you're running your business with no gauges. So typically, um, you know, you're more likely to crash if you're doing that. And so I definitely love what you're doing, Chris. I think it's amazing. And obviously it has been very successful and uh, Paradise Home Services, which is a company y'all are running now. And y'all are doing what? Plumbing, HVAC. Yep. And... Uh, remediation work uh we actually just sold the remediation side of the business so it's just plumbing hac now awesome awesome three days after a giant hurricane <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, the most <laughs> <laughs> that's the other thing is y'all are coming to us from a boat in florida and pensacola yeah. um and as we're recording this you know hurricane ian is rolling through florida mm -hmm. and myself born and raised in Texas, just has a hard time just kind of picturing how long Florida is and the fact that a hurricane can be hitting one part of the state and not affecting y'all too much where you're at. Yeah. Which considering that you're in Texas and Texas takes forever to drive across, um, <laughs> we are way up in the panhandle and Ian went down across the Southern peninsula. So we're probably like 11 hours from the eye yeah. that came through. So it got a little breezy, but thankfully that was all we experienced from it. Yeah. Well, good. Good. So to recap everything, 
Um, just kind of going through what we've talked about today. Obviously, when it comes to the virtual CFO program, you don't know what you don't know. And if you're out there running a business and you're out there just trying to do it all yourself, um, just realize there is a better way as you move into the next phase of your business to lift that lid and to grow. You have to start bringing people around you, like Justin said earlier, that uh, fill the areas that may not be your unique ability. And Kristen, it sounds like you're doing an amazing, amazing job at that with your virtual CFO program. Um, I, I, I'm already picturing people that I know that need what you do. So that is pretty amazing. And as a executive leadership coach, uh, one of my least favorite things to do is talk financials. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of in the boat over there with Justin. I'm a vision guy. I like talking vision and, and systems and processes and things, but not, not so much financials. But I do know how important they are in business. They are one of the most important things mm -hmm. in business. And a lot of business owners will actually turn a blind eye to their financials because they don't really, they really don't want to know what's going on in their business. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially as the cash crunch happens, it's just go out and sell, do and run away from the financials, but there's no way to grow because, you know, you need to be able to see those things to operate. So Kristen, how can the audience reach out to you if they want to learn more about what you're doing with the virtual CFO program? Well, it's super easy. My website is kristendeese.com and all of the information about virtual CF CFO and the different levels of service I provide are all on there. Very cool. Justin, do you have any closing statements for the audience? No, I, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to come on here and hang out with you for a little bit. I love it. Yeah. I mean, Bill for the Trades is all about leadership development and uh I've known Justin and Kristen for a long time. They're not only amazing people, but they have actually been a part of my my development as well in the trades. And uh, Justin was actually the first guy that sent me this leadership promises for every day that I shoot videos on all the time. And I've shared with a lot of different people. So I'll never forget that, Justin. It's touched a lot of different lives out there. So thank you all for being amazing friends, amazing business owners in the trades. Built for the Trades was started just to bring back good principles to the trades like integrity, like hard work, work ethic. Um, you know, we have a strong foundation in our faith and our leadership and what we're trying to do here. And uh, we just believe that trades people and blue collar people are salt of the earth kind of people. And, and y'all are definitely that. So it's been a joy to interview both of y'all today. Um, for the audience out there, if you like what you hear, definitely subscribe and share this with a friend. And also, we'd love to hear or see a review from you because, you know, we read every review and it helps us really guide our future conversations on the Built for the Trades podcast. So, uh, Justin and Kristen, thank you all very much. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Thank you.